Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. We are continuing on in our series this morning. Uh, our series is the Gospel of Matthew. We, we've been in it for quite a while, haven't we? We're only in chapter 6. We're going through uh, nice and slow through this, passage, through this whole Gospel. And actually, we're going to be taking a little break on this series because as we go into the Christmas series, we're going to have a, or as we go through into the Christmas season, we're going to have a Christmas series. And so we're going to be talking about hope and joy and love and peace. So it's going to be a little bit more topical. Um, usually the main diet is to go through a book of the Bible. And uh, since Matthew is so long, there's going to be times when we're going to take a little break uh, from it. And so um, right now we're going to focus on just a short section in chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 18. What's that? 16 through 18, sorry. 16 through 18. You know, and somehow Siri picked that up. Siri started talking to me on my, on my watch. I better be careful what I say. Some, someone's always listening, right? Uh, we're still working through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you remember, the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5, and it goes through chapter 6 and chapter 7. So this is a long sermon uh, given to us by Jesus, and he's preaching it to a large crowd. And remember, this large cu- crowd kind of gathered um, and started following him because of all the uh, miraculous healings he was doing. Word spread. They started to gather. But also he is preaching this or, or teaching this to his disciples. So if you remember uh, in previous chapters, he's uh, walking up alongside a coast and he sees these fishermen and he calls them. And uh, so they're gathering. He's preaching the gospel, the good news, uh, that the, heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he's gathering these people and he's giving them this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he first tells them in the sermon, uh, he describes to them the kind of character they are to have in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. They are to be poor in spirit. They are to be those who mourn and who are meek and who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are to be merciful. They're to be pure in heart. They are to be peacemakers. It's these kinds of qualities that if you, if you express these kinds of qualities and, and if the, it's, it's, uh, it's your makeup, you will be blessed. You will enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll be called sons and daughters of God. You will receive mercy. All these kinds of blessing, blessings that come. So Jesus, after uh, going through these blessings, he informs them that their righteousness then, their righteousness must exceed 
that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he gives examples of what this looks like. And what he's describing here is that it's not just these acts of righteousness, the way that we portray righteousness, all these actions, but he talks about the heart. So he says, do not commit murder, but also do not have a murderous heart. He says, do not commit adultery or even have lustful thoughts. He says a righteous heart is one that sees marriage as sacred. Okay, a righteous heart that that sees words or the words that you speak as sacred. A righteous heart does not pursue vengeance, but seeks mercy and grace. A righteous heart loves their enemies and prays for those who persecute them. A righteous heart seeks to be perfect as the heavenly father is perfect. So Jesus is talking about the heart and he's setting a standard and it's a pretty high standard. And so when you read through chapter five, uh, it should make you uncomfortable. It's like, whoa, Jesus, this is, these are some, this is a high calling. These are high standards that he's talking about. And he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. So that's chapter five. When, when we transition, and this is how he ends chapter five. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right? And so you're like, whoa, uh, Jesus, are you going to explain to us? Um, are you going to give us a little help here? Because, wow, you're, you're setting the bar high and Jesus doesn't stop. He continues. And so several weeks ago, when we got into, and by the way, he's only one third into the sermon. Okay, so he's starting strong. One third into the sermon. Then we get into chapter six, where Jesus is talking about how we are to outwardly practice our righteousness, these acts of righteousness. And he provides three areas where we are to do this. He gives examples. So this isn't an exhaustive list, but here's the list. It's giving and prayer and fasting. So these previous weeks, we've talked about giving prayer, and this week we're talking about fasting. And now in all three of these examples, Jesus warns his audience not to be like the hypocrites, the hypocrites. And we, we use that word today. And what do we mean by hypocrites? And a hypocrite is one who puts on a false identity. It actually comes from, or it's, it's describing an actor who pretends to give off an illusion of righteousness. It's, it's a costume or a mask. So, we just kind of finished up with Halloween and we all dress up in different uh, characters with masks on to portray something that we really are not. You know, so when I put on my Spider-Man pajamas with the Spider-Man mask, you know, it looks like I might be able to climb walls and spin webs and swing across buildings. Uh, I cannot do those things. I can't do them. So it's just it's a false identity. It's just portraying something that you're really not. And that's what a hypocrite is. It's a costume that is put on and a mask that is put on, but, but on the inside, it's something different. So uh, Jesus actually expresses this or explains this, gives us a picture of it later in chapter 23. This is verse 27. He says, 
woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So wait a minute, how are these scribes and Pharisees hypocrites? Well, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people, dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So here Jesus is painting a very vivid picture, a stark contrast of the appearance compared to the inside or the heart. So if you think of this, you go to uh, a tomb um, and, it, and it's beautiful. It's, it's pure white. It's clean and it's got flowers around it and these arrangements and, it's, and it looks wonderful. Be careful when you open it up though, especially if it's been there for a while and what's inside has been sitting there for a while. You open that up and um, what comes is probably a very um, unwelcome stench, an unwelcome smell, and also an unwelcome sight. And so he's portraying, this is what the hypocrites are like. They clean the outside, they make everything look great on the outside, but on the inside, there's, well, with Jesus's example, it's, it's like death. And it smells like death. So he's calling his followers to do the opposite. Instead of displaying an appearance of righteousness or to practice your right, um, he's calling them to practice their righteousness in secret. To not display this act of righteousness out so that people can see and be like, oh, wow, look at him. Look at how, how great he is or how righteous she is. So do not display your righteousness before others so that you would be made much of, that you will be lifted up instead to do these things, to give in secret, to pray in secret. And we're going to read this morning that we are to fast in secret. So let's read this passage together and we'll dive into this topic of fasting. So if you would please stand with me. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we, as we walk through this passage, Lord, um, and talk about fasting, Lord, I pray that you would speak, and that our, we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so when it comes to these acts of righteousness, the way that we are to practice righteousness, we have giving, we have praying, we have fasting. I think fasting, at least I know for myself, seems to be the one that I tend to avoid. I, I like my food. In fact, uh, <laughs> Yvette, I was... When Diane was like, and Yvette's going to share with us about the food. And I'm like, man, I didn't have breakfast. 
Like, how is this going to go? Because I'm hungry and I'm going to, you know, this is what we're having. And I was hoping she wouldn't like describe everything that we're having because, you know, I, at, at that time I would, I would feel my, my stomach start to turn because I like my food. Um, best way to get to know somebody, you can just start talking about food, right? Like that's, that's one of the gateways to, to really get to know somebody. If you go up to a stranger, just talk about food. We all love food. So if you think about it, as, as Christians, um, we, we do pretty well when it comes to giving, right? We, we talk about it sometimes. We, we practice it uh, during the service. Uh, we, we talk about prayer and we have times of prayer. So we have times of where we get together in small groups, especially in our church. We have a Tuesday morning men's prayer. We have a Friday morning men's prayer. I know uh, there's a Wednesday uh, intercessory prayer where a group gets together. Um, whenever we get together for Bible study or women's Bible study, we open in prayer. Uh, during our service, we have times of prayer. And so, you know, when it comes to giving and prayer, we're like, yeah, those are things that we practice and, and we think about and we want to have a life of prayer and we want to have a life of giving and not just our our money, but our time and our resources. And so we think about those things and we talk about those things, but boy, when it comes to fasting, it's like, what, 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 what is, what is fasting? This is something that I know for myself, I don't normally practice, but here it is. Jesus is bringing this up as one of these practices of righteousness, giving prayer, like, okay, all right. And then fasting, it's like, oh, <coughs> what was that? <laughs> fasting. So what is this? What is it about fasting? What is that? Why, why is this something that Jesus brings up and that we are to practice? And so as we go through this, and I'm going to take a little step back because how I'm going to, uh, what we're going to do now is really dive into the topic of fasting. And um, when the other pastors, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rob and Pastor Joe, we all get together and we talk about how we're going to break down uh, the, the series and how we're going to preach it. And one of our concerns is that when we, uh, Jesus is going through this Sermon on the Mount and he's hitting topic after topic after topic. And so it's easy for us just to hit the specific topic and talk about that topic and for us to miss the main point. And so what I want to make sure we're going to, so this morning, because this is only three verses long, we're talking about fasting, but I want us to remember that as we're talking about fasting and we're going to go throughout the Bible and we're going to look at it throughout the Bible, I want us to remind us of what, the whole point of what Jesus is talking about here. And that is, what is the heart behind fasting? That's what he's getting at in this whole context is he's really trying to open up uh, for us what's really down deep within us and why we do what we do. Why we abstain from murder or from adultery or from all these other things, why we do things and why we don't do things. Is it for our own glory? Is it to lift ourselves up? Do we think that that's what makes us righteous or or do we see this as a, 
as a way of interacting in worship for God. And so that's, that's the question here, and that's what I want us to remember as we dive into fasting, okay? So, so with that, with that understanding, we are not to fast to, to make ourselves look good before others and, and be like the hypocrites. No, we're supposed to do this, and I think this is what's beautiful about it. And this is, man, I don't want to say it this way, but for me, this kind of helped. It's because to be honest, I've, we've try, I've tried fasting before, okay, when I was younger, to take a day of fasting, and boy, was it painful. It was not fun. I did not like doing it. And so I remember when someone would challenge me to fast, I would think of five to eight to ten excuses of why it's not a good idea to fast. So in a sense, what I need for my heart is what's, what's the motivation? Why, why would I do this? Why is it so important? I, I, need, I need something to, to spur, me, spur me on or motivate me to see why this is so important. So with that, the question is first, what is fasting? What is fasting? And the answer is fasting is Quite frankly, or just, it's very easy and simple. It's abstaining from food and or water for a certain length of time and for a specific purpose. It's a means of physically lowering oneself. It's a way of, of humbling yourself by abstaining from something. It's an expression of being poor in spirit. Okay, so it's a call back to chapter 5, verse 3. This is how Jesus starts his sermon. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will they will um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? The poor in spirit. So this is one way to, to do that. To be poor in spirit. It's by the act of fasting. And so fasting communicates both to you and to God that you are empty and wanting and in great need. Another way that I heard this described, and this actually goes back to the Hebrew and, and the Old Testament, but that it is that fasting is the affliction of the soul. So in a way, you're, you're kind of afflicting your physical body, but it's also connected to or tied in with afflicting the soul. So let's look at how the Bible um, talks about fasting. And so I'm going to go through these one at a time. Different ways or other ways uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that people used fasting. So um, be, actually, before I do that, before we go into the scriptures, uh, I think in our culture today and in our Christian culture, we actually talk about fasting and, and we think of it in other ways. So, for example, we may fast from, um, from our phones or for, from electronics. Um, I know, so one of my daughters, um, she's been practicing uh, throughout these couple of months just times of fasting from her phone. And 
to you, you're like, what? Seriously? This is a teenager. This is a 15-year-old that um, says, hey, I'm going to give it up for a time. And so for a father, I'm like, that's awesome. That is, that is great. And so she, um, she you know, puts it down for a long period of time. And I think through that, she's blessed by it. There's, there's a way that um, she uses her time differently that is good for her. And I think there's some ways that she learns from it. And I think there's some ways where that tie with her phone, you know, there's, there's not this um, instant need to grab her phone, you know, so she's practicing that. And I think, man, that's wonderful. So, you know, whether it's fasting from a phone or from electronics or, or any other thing that we can fast from, maybe it's a fasting from coffee. Okay, now I'm starting to step on toes here, right? Yeah, I mean, we like our coffee. Um, it could be fasting from sweets, fasting from dessert. And so there's these various ways that we think of fasting today. But I want to encourage us to think that there is a difference between fasting from those things and then like fasting from food and or water. Because you see these other things are more like things that we enjoy, uh, things that give us comfort, that kind of help us out a little bit. And so by giving those things up, sure, it might be, it might be a little hard, but you know, it's e- the, the, you can easily supplement it for something else, right? Instead of a phone, you can go to a book. Or instead of a phone, you can go to the TV, right? Instead of the phone, you can do this or that. Or, or when it comes to coffee, you can switch over to tea, or you can switch over to water, but if, if that's too much for you, you can go to carbonated water, right? You go to LaCroix, you have a little bit of bubbly in there. So, I mean, there's ways that you can supplement it out because there, it's just a comfort or it's just something that, um, that kind of helps us out, but it's not anything that we really need. But when it comes to fasting, when it comes to food, I mean, food gives us, it, it sustains us. If we don't eat or drink for a certain time, we will starve and we will die. This is something that we need. And not only that, but from abstaining from food, and I don't know about you, but it only takes like half a day. Like all of a sudden, my body knows, right? My body is telling me, you have not eaten. Um, And it's not usually a subtle thing that, you know, um, in fact, not only do I feel it, but maybe others can hear it, right? Do you ever hear where other people's stomachs are growling and rolling and like it, it actually affects your bodies. And so there is something different about um, fasting from food. So we need food in order to survive. It's, it's something that sustains us. And when we fast, it can get physically painful or uncomfortable. So let me give you um, an example of this. I remember this was years and years ago. And uh, so my wife will um, suggest things for us to do together as a couple. Um, Like, for example, hey, let's go on a liquid diet. And so I hear this and I go, uh, wonderful, good idea. Okay, I'm not, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. There's no way I want to go on a liquid, liquid diet. Um, and, or, or, 
we kind of went on a liquid diet, okay? So, so what we did was we decided to, and I think it was, I don't know, was it for a week or two weeks? Every time I tell the story, it gets longer, okay? It's like, it's now to like a month, but it wasn't. It was like a week or two where we decided to juice in the morning. And then I think like either for lunch or for later in the evening to have a smoothie. And I think we kind of threw in salads too in that and sometimes, but this was very different than what I was normal what I was used to, okay? So we did this for like a week or two. I feel like it was longer. I felt like it was forever. But through that, um, after a few days, I was always hungry. It didn't matter how much liquid, how much smoothie, how much salad I, I got in me. I was always hungry. I was craving something to fill my stomach. And I remember there's there's some pros and cons to this one is that there were certain fruit foods that I always ate that I was like, you know what, that doesn't sound good to me anymore. Okay, so that was a good thing. But here's here's where it got painful. I would like walk into a room or maybe a room adjacent to a room where someone was cooking meat. And it was a slap in the face. It was like, you know, those cartoons where the smell kind of like makes the, the um, character float and without any control, they start floating to, you know, the, the food. That's what it was like. It was, and it was so painful. Like my stomach would just start aching. So my point is, is this is when you fast from, you know, some of these other things, sure, it's hard. It's difficult. It's very different when you fast from food and from water. It affects you physically. So why in the world would we do that? (laughs) Why would Jesus talk about this? Because every time you feel the pangs of hunger, you are reminded that you are in need. That there's something your body needs. And it's a physical prompting that motivates you to seek God for perhaps another need. Okay, so it's a connection here that there is a need that you have. And, by, and you express it by, by t- putting your body through something that it needs as well. So, so when the stomach starts to growl, right, and, and you feel the pains of hunger, you're reminded, I am in great need, but Lord, I'm doing this because there's something else that I need that is far greater, far greater. So what are those? And so let me go into the scriptures and talk about this and how, how people in the Bible would practice fasting. So number one, the Israelites were commanded to fast on what they called the day of atonement. This was a day that they were to abstain from work and bring sacrifices to atone for sin. And they were also to, uh, how they describe it in the Old Testament, to afflict their bodies. And this is how they did that, was by fasting. And so it was, it was um, during a time of reflection, of repentance from sin, And part of that is fasting to afflict the bodies. Another way that they did it, and so that was more corporate, all of, of um, 
Israel would do that together, would practice this. But there was also times when individuals would practice fasting as well. So one of the main times was when um, in times of mourning. So David and his men fasted when they heard that Saul and Jonathan were killed. So let me uh, share this one with you. This is 2 Samuel chapter 1. It says, Then David took hold of his clothes and he tore them. And so did all the men who were with them. And they mourned and they wept and they fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And so this was part of their grieving process that they have experienced loss. And so, so part of that, and, and communing with the Lord was a denial of food. I've experienced this loss. I've experienced this. And so I'm expressing it through, through abstaining from food. And we see that throughout the scriptures where people express mourning or, or practice mourning through fasting, but it's also a way that people would um, express repentance of sin, repentance of sin. So there's a story of a King Ahab. Now this is during the time of the kings. So um, in, in Israel, we had kings and some kings were good and some kings were not so good. And Ahab was one of the kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And because of that, Elijah comes before him. Elijah the prophet become, comes before him and he's calling out Ahab. And this is what he says to Ahab. It starts with Ahab saying to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And Elijah answered to him, and this is as a prophet of the Lord, he says, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male bond, um, male bond or free in Israel. And he continues on to describe the punishment that Ahab is going to receive because of his um, evil practices, mainly for worshiping idols. Okay, so it continues on and on. And this is how Ahab responds. This is verse 27. And when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. Okay, so he, he's showing signs of repentance, which includes fasting. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishabite saying, have you seen how Ahab has what? Humbled himself. So fasting is one way to express humbleness. He humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. And so this is Ahab giving some expression of repentance. Oh man, I've messed up. And because of it, there's going to be punishment. And so he comes before the Lord and re, with a repentant heart. And one of those ways is it comes out by fasting. Okay. And so we see various times of this happening of, of this expression of repentance. So we see King Ahab do it, but we also see, for example, in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, the um, Ninevites 
actually do this as well. So Jonah, Jonah is called to go to the city of Nineveh and um, proclaim judgment upon them before, because of their evil. And he ends up getting there. He, he proclaims the judgment that's upon Nineveh and the whole, it says the whole city, the whole city uh, repents through fasting and prayer and sacrifices. Uh, Daniel, um, in our series, Daniel, if you remember in chapter nine, he talks about this where um, he sees this vision from God and he sees uh, the destruction of Israel and the wrath of God before Israel because of Israel's sin. And so Dan, um, Daniel turns around and turns his face to the Lord. He seeks prayer and pleads for mercy with fasting. He seeks mercy by God through fasting and not just for himself, but for the whole nation. All right, so it's not just uh, fasting, um, expressing repentance of sin, but it's also um, fasting for life or health of a loved one. Life or health of a loved one. So um, when David... Um, remember, he falls into sin, uh, and he's actually punished for falling into sin. The, the son that he's going to have is going to die. He knows this. Um, and, the, and the child is born, and it gets sick. And David starts to pray, and he, begin, and he fasts. He gives up food. And the people around him um, are worried about him because he's doing this for a very long time. I think it was like seven to nine days of fasting and seeking the Lord's um, mercy to heal this child. And so they're like, boy, um, this is, I mean, David, David's going all out here um, for this child. And so what happens is the child does pass away and the, um, his servants are really worried about what, what David is going to do um, when he hears that his son has died. Because here he is, he's fasting for a long time. He's uh, pleading before the Lord. And so they finally have to tell him, or actually I think he's overhearing some things and he knows my son, my son, is, my son has died. And so um, when they come and talk to him about it, he gets up, he cleans himself up, he goes and he worships the Lord, and then he goes and he eats. And they're like, wait a minute, why, you, you broke your fast now? Most of the time people fast for, you know, uh, to mourn, right? You, you've just lost your son, you should be fasting now. Why, what's going on here? And he says, you know what? I, um, and this is what he says, let me read it to you. Second Samuel chapter 12, because of course the scriptures say it better than I ever could. <laughs> says, the servant said to him, what is this thing that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. And so there's this idea of, you know what, this is um, how David fasted. It wasn't for mourning, 
but it was seeking the Lord for mercy. It was seeking the Lord for the health of his child. And so that's just another way uh, in the Bible that someone has practiced fasting. Here's another one, imminent danger, (laughs) imminent danger. So there's a story of Esther um, where there's this uh, policy put into place, this declaration from the king that at this, uh, in this specific time on the specific day um, that uh, the civilians, the, the people of the kingdom would be allowed to attack the Israelites. And, um, and it was going to be this dangerous thing for Israel and they were in big trouble. And so they're like, what are we going to do about this? We're going to get attacked. And um, there's this man named Mordecai that learns about this, a Jewish man. And uh, here's the first thing he does. This is Esther chapter four. It says, when Mordecai learned all that he had done um, about this declaration of, of Israel being attacked or, the, or Jewish people being attacked, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth and in every province everywhere the king's command and his decree reached. There was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes." So here's this imminent danger coming. This is a serious thing. And so they, they do these certain things. Specifically, one is fasting from abstaining from food. So that's one example of imminent danger. Another one is safe travels. Uh, this is during the time of uh, captivity when the Jewish people were in Babylon and they were captive and they were um, allowed to go back to the, to the city of Jerusalem. And so there's this prayer of and fasting for safe travels. So they pray and fasted that they wouldn't be attacked on their way back to Jerusalem. So that's another way, safe travels. Another one is spiritual dedication or spiritual direction. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Okay, so now we're going to the New Testament. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod, the patriarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so this is this is uh, the church getting together and seeking direction from the Lord. And through that, they are um, with that, with praying, it was also fasting. And, and the Lord spoke and the Lord directed them through it. So that was spiritual direction. Here's the last one. And this one's appointing elders or leaders. This comes from Acts chapter 14, verse 21 starts, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders to them 
for them in every church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so these are several ways that people in the scriptures practiced fasting. It was to uh, seek the Lord, spiritual direction. It was to appoint leaders or elders within the church. These are just some examples. And it's because, and, and here's the thing. So, so why, do we go through, why did I go through all these examples? Why did I go through all these examples? It's because it seems like this is an important practice to, to Jesus. This is, this is an act of righteousness that Jesus is talking about here that is, that is in line with giving and praying. It's because it seems like this is important. So I want to challenge us and I want to challenge myself to consider how this can be part of our spiritual lives as well. And of course, it's, it's not to flaunt or publicize among others our righteousness. Instead, this is to be done in secret between you and God. So think of it, not a performance for the eyes of men, but a way to engage with God. A spiritual practice that's just between you and him. And so let me ask you it in this way. What, what could that look like in your life? What could that look like for you? So let me challenge you in this way. Um, can, can you, oh, you know what? I did, not, I did not highlight that. So let me just repeat these, okay? So if you have a piece of paper, uh, if you have a pen, um, get those out. Um, if you have your worship guide on the back, there's a place to take notes, I wanted these up on, on a slide, but I, I didn't highlight them for the projectionist. So let me read these. So how they practiced fasting in the scriptures, it was through mourning. It's, it's mourning a loss. It was repentance of sin. It was a life uh, situation or life or death situation or a health situation of a loved one. It was when they saw imminent danger. They even fasted for safe travels. Friends, I don't know about you. That one's like, oh, safe travels. We pray about that all the time. You know, as a parent with children that are driving now, uh, especially yesterday when I had children driving through that snow, that, man, I, I wake up at night thinking about my kids traveling. Um, Spiritual direction, seeking the Lord's leading in something, and even appointing elders or, or leaders, whether it's leaders of the church, or maybe when we appoint leaders in government. So with this, um, let me transition now. And what I want is, uh, if I can have the worship team come back up, um, what I would like to do is this. I would like to ask this question. And I know this one's on a slide. So those were just categories that I gave you. And those categories are not exhaustive, okay? But that, that's kind of a springboard into the spiritual practice of fasting. So let me ask you this. 
What is your biggest concern or challenge in your life right now? Okay. What is your biggest concern or challenge in your life right now? Is there a specific period of time that you can set aside to pray and fast for that concern or challenge? Okay, we, we go through our life, we go through our day, there's, and, and I'm sure that many of us can come up with something. It's that thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night. It's that thing that may distract you while you're trying to worship God on a Sunday morning. It's the thing that may distract you or, or uh, grabs a hold of your, your thoughts when you're supposed to be working um, you know, throughout the week. What is that challenge? What is that concern? It could be someone, it could be a relationship. It could be something at work. It could be something at home. What is that one thing that you can bring before the Lord that, that really is, is the, the one thing that has you concerned or is challenging, that you can bring before him by the practice of prayer and fasting. Let me encourage you. In this. So you can go ahead and kind of start praying. I'm going to give us, um, I'm kind of doing this on the cuff here, so you guys just do your thing. But I'd like for us just to take a few moments, I'm going to sit down, just to reflect on that and think through it, whether it be just for uh you know, a, a future date that you could plan just for a day to fast. Or maybe it's just for, if you can't, if you don't think you can get through a day, a half a day. Or maybe it's even a couple of days. Whatever you think, to, to plan for a time, whether it's maybe this month or maybe you're planning it for next month, a time that you can set aside to address these con- uh, concern or challenge to God through fasting. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, we've been so challenged by this message, this the sermon that Jesus is giving us, and the challenge to have right hearts, to have a heart that is drawn or or focused on you and not on ourselves and Lord when it comes to these practices when it comes to specifically fasting Lord this is something that you have called us to to express a great need or a great challenge it's a way that we can interact with you and engage with you in in, in a serious way And Father, I know that it's through those practices, especially when it's done in secret, like the scriptures talk about, that we will be blessed. In fact, Lord, through that, you say that there will be a reward. And so, Lord, I, I pray that whatever, whatever was jotted down on a piece of paper, whatever the challenge is or the struggle, the concern, Lord, I pray that we would take that time to come before you, to commune with you, and that, Lord, you would meet us, that we would actually engage with you in a way that we would know that you are our God. Lord, this is our prayer.
Thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.